Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your LifeQuest Liberty host, Charles Mills. In the ever-challenging world of the lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transsexual community, a court case recently emerged. It's entitled Hunter versus the U.S. Department of Education. Our guest today served as counsel on that case and is here to talk about what he counseled. Nick Miller is professor of church history at Andrews University in Berrien Springs, Michigan, and he's also the director of the International Religious Liberty Institute. Attorney Miller, welcome to LifeQuest Liberty. Thank you. Always good to be with you. This program is sponsored by Liberty Magazine. Okay, Hunter versus the U.S. Department of Education. What is that, and how did you help the court address the issues in this case? So this is a case that was filed a few months ago in about March of this year, and it was brought by a group of LGBT persons, nearly 40 altogether, as a class action claim They were all students at about 25 or 30 different Christian colleges, and they didn't sue those colleges, but what they did was they brought a lawsuit against the Department of Education, Hmm. and the Department, the Federal Department of Education in Oregon, in federal court in Oregon, and they, they argued that the Department of Education was unfairly discriminating against LGBT persons by applying what's known as the Title IX federal requirement to treat all sexes equally, and that's been interpreted to include sexual orientation and gender identity, Mm -hmm. but there is an exemption for religious colleges so that religious colleges can continue to uphold their own standards for sexual behavior, limiting sexual conduct to a married man and woman, and romantic relationships between heterosexual couples. And the claim was that in upholding, allowing this exemption, that the Department of Education was allowing LGBT persons to be discriminated against in violation of the Constitution. And they wanted the court to strike down this religious college, religious liberty exemption. And if successful, they could not force the religious colleges to change their standards to prevent students from attending those colleges from getting any federal loans or grants, Pell Grants, and the large amount of federal support that students can obtain, especially low-income students, to attend these schools. Now, did you follow all of that? <laughs> yes, I did. And, and just, not a simple thing. No, it's not. And uh, I'll just ask you a simple question here. Again, I, I may be playing the devil's advocate here, but are they right? Is there discrimination happening here? The short answer is no, because the Department of Education isn't the organization that controls the religious practices and standards of these schools. Mm. In other words, the Department of Education is just implementing a federal congressional statute. This religious school exemption is not something the Department of Education created. It's something that Congress created when it passed the Title IX statute. And the Department of Education really has no choice but to allow this exemption to be used by the religious schools. 
And it's the religious schools themselves that are making the decisions that these students are complaining about. Now, you might ask, why didn't this LGBT group, it's a consortium run by an LGBT activist group, why didn't they sue the schools? And the answer to that question is because the schools would have vigorously fought back and defended their constitutional rights. So instead of having that happen, they sued the federal government. And as you know, we had an election last year where the government changed hands from Republican to Democratic leadership. And the Democratic leadership is much, much more sympathetic to the claims of LGBT persons and causes. And so it was hoped that by suing the federal government, the federal government would probably not defend the lawsuit very vigorously and, in fact, might even agree with the plaintiffs on their case. And there's a a technique called sue and settle, where you sue the government, but the government agrees with you, and then they enter into a settlement to do away or, uh, you know, no longer enforce the exemption. And that's where... I and my organization come into the case, the organization I'm representing, because you can see I'm not an attorney for the government, and I'm not representing the plaintiffs, so how did I become part of this case? Well, I work with a law firm that represents the Council of Christian Colleges and Universities. Uh, They represent more than 160 Christian colleges in uh, the United States, and this organization has a tremendous interest in protecting and defending the religious college's exemption. And so they hired us as their law firm to seek to, we filed a motion to intervene in the case so that we could defend the Title IX exemption along with the government and therefore not leave the whole task to government attorneys, but have the colleges themselves have lawyers and their voices be heard in a as vigorous a fashion as we can. And that's how we're part of the case. Although technically still not quite part of it because the judge hasn't ruled on this motion to intervene yet, but we are quite confident that she will and that she will allow us in the case because if she doesn't, it will probably be easily overturned on appeal. The case will continue on, but we will be allowed to make arguments and file briefs and appear on behalf of the individual colleges, well, on behalf of the CCCU organization, Mm -hmm. which represents these individual colleges whose rights are at stake in this matter, and they will have a chance to be heard. Why do you think that members of the LGBT community are doing this? I mean... Do they all want to go to a Christian college? Is is that the motivation that they have here? Are they all lined up to go to one of our wonderful religious institutions? Is that what's going on? Or is there a bigger issue or a bigger motivation for all of this? Well, you know, clearly the answer to that question is no. The LGBT community as a whole isn't necessarily seeking that. But there certainly are portions of it, mm-hmm. including these students that are enrolled in Christian colleges. And You know, I think this points up, some of us have been involved in this whole religious freedom versus LGBT question for almost two decades now. And early on, it was, they just want equal rights. They want rights along with religious freedom, and you respect their rights, and they'll respect your rights to hold differing views. But now we're really seeing 
the full agenda of this movement emerging, mm. right? It's not enough to make safe spaces for LGBT persons. We have to extinguish even the private associations and organizations that hold traditional biblical views of sexuality and marriage. Okay. There's plenty of colleges, public colleges, less expensive colleges, more prestigious colleges yes. that are fully supportive and will promote LGBT, not just identities, but lifestyles and sexual choices. Mm-hmm. Well, there are a number of faith-based ones, including Christian and Jewish schools, that have different principles. Yeah. And we're just asking for the right as a private community to do that, but there are forces at work that seek to extinguish this wherever it's found. And it's become, unfortunately, it doesn't have to be this way, I don't think. I think we could protect both groups. We could protect LGBT rights as well as religious freedom. And there's uh, legislation pending in Congress, the Fairness for All Act, that would do that. But at this point, with a Democratic administration in power, I think the LGBT community wants to push the envelope as far as it can and seek to extinguish any reservoirs of associations that, that hold a biblical view. I'm going to ask you now a question, Attorney Miller, that may seem trite, but I believe it has uh, merit here. What would Jesus do uh, if he was the director of admissions of one of our wonderful Christian colleges and he's behind the desk of the admissions office and in comes a couple students there, Sam and, and Jim, and they are holding hands together and they want to attend this college because they want to be good Christians in their own right. What on earth do you think Jesus would do under those circumstances? Well, you're putting the question there right to the point, isn't it? What would Jesus do? And everyone has a a picture of the loving, caring, compassionate, accepting Jesus, and and this indeed is a true picture of him, and he wants to accept humans in their fallenness and even in their sin and to be forgiving. And we see that, of course, in the story of the woman caught in adultery. Yes, yes. He writes in the sand, in fact, we believe probably the the sins of her accusers, Mm -hmm. and they all quietly melt away, and he obviously extends her forgiveness and acceptance for what she's done, but many people forget what he says next, right? Uh, Go and sin no more. Sin no more, yes. Uh Christ upheld the biblical teaching of marriage. People like to say he doesn't say anything about same-sex behavior and homosexuality, and technically that might be true in his human form on earth, but he reaffirmed the biblical, the Old Testament teachings of marriage being between a man and a woman. And we also believe he was the one that inspired the biblical writers, both in the Old and New Testament who said that uh, same-sex behavior was, was not an appropriate form of conduct for those seeking to be faithful to God and to His truth. So I think he would be compassionate, he would be loving, he would be caring. He would accept students that had differing sorts of temptations. And the schools we represent don't kick people out just because they identify as LGBT. We don't control our temptations. The Bible doesn't say certain kinds of temptations are not acceptable while others are, right? Yeah, There's not right. a hierarchy of temptation. Right. 
but the Bible does say there's a hierarchy of moral choices and how you react to those temptations and how you express your behavior. And I believe that Jesus would be supportive of the biblical teaching in this area and how he dealt with those who came to him as he was with a woman caught in adultery and others. That is an excellent perspective. Uh, We've been talking with uh, Nick Miller. He is professor of church history at Andrews University in Berrien Springs, Michigan, and is also the director of the International Religious Liberty Institute. Attorney Miller, thank you so much for clarifying this and speaking with such clarity. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. It's been good to be with you today, Charles. And listener, we have a website, libertymagazine.org. Lots of wonderful resources there. You can listen to these programs, read the articles from the magazine, lots of things to continue your journey of understanding in these and other issues there at libertymagazine.org. This program was sponsored by Liberty Magazine. Until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Nick Miller inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call 443-391-7258 or email us through our website at libertymagazine.org. Join us again next week at the same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today. <laughs>